Just a note, this is our last new episode until the fall. We will be releasing some of our most popular episodes from this past year, starting in May, the first of the month. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. At Redeemer, as we continue growing in our understanding of our own story, we are gathering and sharing the stories of the people in this place. With our podcast, Interrupting Grace, Living Into the Way of Love, we will share these stories. The stories of grace in action, the stories of love in the world, the stories of living the way of love. How are you the Interrupting Grace? The Way of Love at Home series is part of our Interrupting Grace podcast. In this series, Philip Duvall and I will discuss Life Transformed, the Way of Love in Lent. Go, cross boundaries, listen deeply, and live like Jesus. As Jesus went to the highways and byways, he sends us beyond our circles and comfort to witness to the love, justice, and truth of God with our lips and with our lives. We go to listen with humility and to join God in healing our hurting world. We go to become beloved community, a people reconciled in love with God and one another. Almighty God, who through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, overcame death and opened to us the gate of everlasting life, grant that we who celebrate with joy the day of the Lord's resurrection may be raised from the death of sin by your life-giving Spirit, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified on the third day and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. Easter, what an amazing moment it must have been to be one of the women who went down to the tomb that first Easter morning. They came expecting death and sorrow. Their Messiah and friend had been killed, and now the best they could hope for was to give him a proper burial. Instead, they find an empty tomb. Two angelic figures proclaiming Jesus' resurrection and an invitation to new life. Their expectations were blown away. This encounter with Jesus changed them so much that they were compelled to go back to their fellow followers and proclaim the good news. Their testimony would eventually spread to every corner of the earth so that wherever we go, the love of God will meet us there. In this journey, you have been called to engage with the mystery of death and resurrection as mirrored in the Easter visual. We have been called from darkness into light. 
from fear into joy, from sin into resurrection, from death into life. Our job now is to follow the example of those women and go into the world proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus. Let this be the season that you go and live the full gift of the resurrection. How will you go and tell the story of the empty tomb out loud? How have you been changed and how might you change others? Where do you think you will go from here? Are there particular barriers God is inviting you to cross or particular places of brokenness God is inviting you to enter and help to heal? Are there any new actions, social justice initiatives, or habits that you would like to adopt? How will you be the hands, feet, eyes, and body of Jesus in the world? That's that. That's that. <laughs> um, my, my, I went directly to when, when during Advent we talked about the shepherds going to the hills. A very, a very, oh, yeah. a very similar um, use of go here, right? That that you're taking what what you've seen and what has happened into the world. Mm-hmm. And again, it's it's you. We think of the resurrection, right, as this main part of the story, which it is. But there's also this other part where somebody has to tell what has happened, or else nobody knows. And it's not believed, right? Right. Because because it's just girls who said it. <laughs> I know. I, it's when, so hard now. It was when I was reading it first, I was like, oh. Well, it's so funny. Like, I never noticed it growing up. Yeah. Like the, it's so built into the story. It's right there. And it's, and it's, but what's fascinating is, what's fascinating, and it, I keep seeing this specifically in Luke. The way Luke tell the sto- tells the story isn't sexist, but he's portraying sexism. Right. But but he's not saying anything negative about them, about the women. If anything, the women are just absolute rock stars. But but like the the, the sort of simple matter of like, nah, but the men just didn't buy it. Right. Just didn't buy it. But it was right there. Right. They were all hiding and the women were the ones who were going to tend to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. Which, by the way, and this is important, too, because it's not idealizing women. It doesn't mean that the women understood the, about the resurrection any better than the men did. Everyone was confused. So this isn't some sort of idealistic like, mm. women are so much smarter than men. They knew what was going on. They didn't. They went thinking he was dead. They're, they're, the men, their behavior when they thought Jesus was dead was they were scared for their lives. And they hid. And they grieved. And the women, when they saw Jesus was dead, they did what they thought they were supposed to do, which was to tend to the body. Yeah. But, but, like, so it's not that one of them got it better than the other ones in terms of the resurrection. But their different reactions are really important, I think. There's the faithfulness to the women's action that allows them to be first witnesses of this reality. But it's also a... Cautionary tale is too strong a term, but it's a it's a it's a it's a true word to say that if you're the first person to see it, you will mm. not necessarily be believed. Right. And there are people within our culture who, if they say it, they are less likely to believe be believed. And that's there. It's written right in. Right. It's right in front of them. Mm. 
So I think one of the real um, apprehensive, I think that we have, there's some, one of the apprehensions we have about the go command to make ye disciples is um, people won't believe us. Right. We don't right. want to sound, we don't want to sound crazy. Right. There is that, that level of, um, I mean, thank goodness they had each other. I could only every imagine, time, right? Every time. That I'm sure that in some case it was like, well, we're in this, we all saw this. If we stick together and and go back and, and share this together, I mean, that speaks to the community, that speaks to others, that speaks to belonging to each other in some way, um, that that belonging to each other, we can we can go in some in some way. Yeah. Mm. I didn't even think about that when I first read it. I love that you point out the togetherness because it is so in ingrained in us to think that this journey that I'm on is about me and the journey that you're on is about you rather than the journey that we're on. Right. It's like we were talking about prayer a few weeks back mm -hmm. and it's always like, how's your prayer life? Like, how mm -hmm. am I doing? Rather than like, how are we praying? Yeah. How are we in the world? How are we living yeah. into the world? Yeah. I mean, well, that, you, oh, I was going to say, thinking of that question of, of how are you the hands, feet into the world? How, how can we as a community be the body of Christ? Yeah. As opposed yeah. to our individual, our individual parts. I mean, you know, it even speaks to the, is a hand, not a hand, right? If it doesn't have <laughs> an arm or, or right, right, is it right? Yeah. So there's these, uh, there's, um, there's, there's kind of two different ways to, to, well, there's many ways, I'm sure, but there's two different, like, kind of major ways to think about the idea of us being the hands and feet of God in the world. Mm hmm. Right. And so I was reading a eulogy. There was a, um, and I'm going to, I'm going to mispronounce this guy's name. I'm just saying that ahead of time. There was a eulogy. There's an old Testament scholar named Terence Fretheim. It was a, a Lutheran. It might, might've been Fretheim. Fretheim. This is the part that I don't know. Never met him. <laughs> but the eulogy was written by Walter Brueggemann. who was also an old Testament scholar. And I didn't realize because I wasn't thinking about it, that they had known each other. Mm. Um, but I, but their, their commentaries, they each have done a commentary on Genesis and on Exodus. Okay. And they're really good. And, and I like what they try to do and what they set down. But, but, um, Brueggemann talked in his eulogy of, of this guy, he talks about how, um, and I'm paraphrasing the heck out of this, but essentially Brueggemann is sort of the opinion that, um, God's God and God's going to do what God's going to do. And if you want to be a part of that, great. And if you don't, God's still going to do it. And if God's going to use uh, locusts and plagues and uh, uh, floods and burning bushes and fiery columns um, and manna, then he'll do that. And other and, and otherwise, and other terms, he might use something else. But that's how God rolls. And Fretheim was really of the opinion that the way that God worked was through us. And when God, when we are, when like, we have to say, we have to like jump in and say, yes, me too, and participate. 
And that if we don't, God will, it's not that God can't, it's just that God chooses not to. God's way of working in the world, according to Fretheim, was through us, hmm. right? So you may have heard the saying, um, God has no hands in the feet but yours. Mm -hmm. had no hands in the world but mm -hmm. yours, no feet in the world but yours. Um, so I tend to be on that, the, that I tend to disagree with that and be on that Brueggemann point. And you've heard me preach something to the effect of like, this thing's going to happen. Yeah. Whether we want it to or not. Right. So for instance, um, God will see to the end of white supremacy. Now I might say God will do it, whether or not the church wants to, but God may use other people outside of the church. God does choose to use people. But I think about that idea of like that go of like, like it's, it's still a very worthy question. Like, how are you God's hands and feet in the world? And I don't, not because God can't use other things. It's not about what God can or can't do, or even will or won't do. Our testimony repeatedly is that God will choose to use you and that you have the opportunity to partner with God. Now, so I'm not sure which one's like, right? You know, right? Like, yeah. Okay, yeah. Is it can or can't or will or won't? But I do know that the gospel points to God's desire and willingness to accomplish the work through us, mm. which is really, can be really inspiring and really exciting. Right. Right. So the flip side of God's going God's gonna to end white supremacy with or without you is how cool would it be if it was with you? Right. right. Like what, what if you were part of the change? Right. And right. I just think that's so much more exciting than mm. all these other things. Like then, then, then I think that's more exciting. That's so exciting that it overwhelms the fear that I might have to make changes yes. or that's the, what I'm trying to get at. Well, and I think there's, there's, um, there's also this idea that it's not all on you. Right. And we've, we've talked a little right. bit about that, but that there's so much of it already taken care of that there's so much of it already nurtured that um, if it's your time and it's what your, it's your will and want to do, then it's there. Yeah. And you just have to jump in the current, right? I think of Nemo and just getting in the, in the current and going with it. Just keep swimming. Just yes, keep swimming. Absolutely. Yes. Mm. It, 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 it chafes against my sensibilities to accept that though, Annie, because I want to believe that, um, I need to believe that I have this big significant part to play in everything. Right. And the idea of being like, no, you're part of it, but am I like a really big part of it? <laughs> Man, you're just, you're part of it. Yeah. But like, how big is my part? You're I need to know. <laughs> my lead role and my like what are we talking about here yeah and which is fascinating that we get to that like that's where that's where paul gets into the that's actually in my opinion what spurs paul's whole body monologue right because right. he's like stop trying to argue over which part of the body you are the body needs all the parts that needs it all right like, like like, oh, I'm just a spleen. Try living without one. <laughs> right? Like, right. how's that going to go? Like, right. You know, um, every, every, you know, like that's the, that's the main thing. So I, I mean, I think there's this, 
there's that dynamic of like there's a, there's a vanity and an mm. ego that has to be it is both mm. affirming and humbling at the same time absolutely right i'm thinking like even in in the context of um that they had been waiting for a messiah for such a long time mm. right and go, go on for eternity no this is really <laughs> oh, i have no idea i have no idea where you're gonna go with this this is great go so they then had to share of this information yeah. right and then to be bearers of that information i mean it's just so enormous i feel i, I don't know i just i just think of just how long and Again, just this receiving of this um, and recognizing this in the world. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There, there's something that I continually think of when we when we talk about Jesus coming into the world um, and resurrecting that this hasn't it hadn't happened. Like, <laughs> right, like, how do you? Like, I don't know how to. Okay, I gotta tell you guys a thing. Yeah. But it's. What do you com? I mean, I what always joke you... around. I always joke about like, my like. It sounds so snarky what I'm about to say, but like when people would be like, "You went skydiving," and I was like, "Yeah," and they're like, "What did it feel like?" And I was like, "Felt like I jumped out of a plane." <laughs> Like, um, because it doesn't like literally the sensation my body felt had never happened to me before. Right. It right, doesn't I'm feel sure. like a roller coaster. Right. It doesn't feel like, you know, falling off of a ledge. Like it, it doesn't feel fall. like none right, of those things. None, none of those things. <laughs> and, um, it was only, I think I was, it was less than a minute mm. that I was actually falling, but I'll never forget it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I just like the idea of introducing something into the conversation that you, for who, for which you have no frame of reference. Yeah. That's, you know, yeah. And like, that's and kind it, of what I'm getting yeah, at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we saw that he raised the dead. Right. We saw but even, these miracles. But, but we even saw like, these things, but like. But he raised them from the dead. <clears throat> he didn't raise himself. Like, like. Right. Yeah. Where do you put this? Like, how do you, how do you, and again, how does that make him the Messiah? Like, how does this all fit? Right. right. You know, okay. So, oh, geez. So what you're getting me at right now is when you have an experience, but you have no idea what to call it, but you know that it's real. And we want so badly to be able to codify, understand, categorize these things. But this thing happened. And I, I keep, this is actually one of the reasons why I'm a believer in Jesus and specifically in the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus is it's absurd. And it, the, like, like people, like when they're trying to explain how the theology would develop, well, of course it developed. People saw a thing and then spent the rest of their lives trying to live into understanding what the heck just happened. And then they, pass that to the next person. And 2000 years later, we're still just like, look, okay, this is crazy. I'm going to tell you a thing right mm -hmm. now. I mean, like that's, it hasn't gotten less strange 
it hasn't gotten less strange. That's what's amazing to me about it. Mm. It's not like there's a bunch of bodily resurrections walking around and we're like, oh, well, you know who the first one was? Not Do you. you. Right, not you. You know who did it before it was cool? Right? <laughs> Jesus, the hipster resurrectee. <laughs> um, so that's like, there's something to me about, like when you talk about go, ooh, like to un, you don't, going is part of what it takes to actually understand. Mm what well, you're what it is that's what i was that's exactly where i was going to head as far as like even even just in like casual conversation you know we'll make the jokes of like well that's that's your know, resurrection that's a resurrection story right there right yep. so then we're looking in our own lives for these places of new life and rebirth and 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 acknowledgement of other and recognizing our, ourselves in community and looking at the world around us and seeing in God in the world around us. And we use this language of that's resurrection. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it turns into a language. It turns into language that we can use yeah. in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got to be, and I mentioned this in, in my blog recently, we want to be careful to differentiate resurrection from resuscitation. Yes, absolutely. Right? It's We're not talking about bringing back something like Jesus comes back from the dead, but his resurrected body is something different. Yeah. I'm going to preach a little bit about that on Easter, but that's the, I mean, like there's something has happened. Right. It's his body. It's got the scars or the, the marks. Right. But it's a different, but it's also transformed. Yeah. And um, so this idea that we have about like going out, it's in response not to just having witnessed something, but having witnessed a transformation. And then the going is part of our participation in that transformation. It's not that we saw that something like a, that an egg, a broken egg was put back together. Reassembled. It's not about reassembly. It's not about resuscitation it's not about it's not that right it's, it's like a new re a new a new old life <laughs> stuff that i don't even know right right and i think some of that is when we go into the world we are witnesses to and living as resurrected people yeah How do you understand um how do you understand the resurrection in terms of your own life? Um like when you talk about being resurrected people, like what the hell do you mean? Like do you, do you I have mean, a picture of that? Yeah. No, well I mean the only the only thing that I can can kind of sift through is this idea of um it's kind of maybe seeing other people as broken open and and seeing and understanding like aha moments almost i guess it could be a way to say it mm. um i see people as those that care about those that are around them um and recognizing um and res and respecting those that they see and respecting the earth and respecting people um and uh kind of this understanding of 
we're here for each other. Um, so what I hear you saying is the way that you understand a resurrected life is it manifests itself in the way you, like you're looking through Christ's eyes at things. Yeah. So you're seeing things from a God point of view that you didn't have before. Yeah. I could, I could get down with that. Yeah. Turning away from oneself and turning outward into the world. And Absolutely. I, yeah, I think that would be a really, at least for me, I'm a big visual person. So even that idea of turning outward from myself hmm. um, is a thing. I think in the last year, my life, as I've had, no, no, life as I know it mm -hmm. has died. Yeah. There are some things that I hope will come back. And well, I mean, there are some things that will come back. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get back to the gym eventually, for instance. Right. right. And, um, but there are relationships that have died. Um, there are perspectives that I've had before that have died. There are beliefs that I've had mm -hmm. that may have been going away anyway. I don't know. Mm. Maybe it's a hastening, mm. but you know, we come out the other side of this thing shaped differently, and I think understanding our lives right now as metaphors for Christ's resurrection. It, and I use that language intentionally. Like some people think that the. Christ's resurrection is the metaphor for that we use to explain what's happening to us. Mm -hmm. But I actually think that our lives are actually metaphors that help explain what happened to Jesus. Mm. Um, Jesus is the defining reality mm. of life. And then I'm a metaphor. Right. Um, my life is symbolic in that sense, but um, which is probably a little bit out there, but that's kind of where I land uh, in some places anyways. But I think about that. I think about mm. like, you and I were having a conversation with a mutual friend yesterday, and, and I asked him, you know, uh, have you aged Yeah. during this time? And he was just like, oh, yeah. I mean. Oh, yeah. I've aged tremendously. And he said, I'm just not. What was the word that he said? I'm not um, where I was. Or he said, no, yeah. he said, like, I'm in another place. I'm in I'm another place. I'm in another place, yeah. I'm in another place. He hadn't moved, by the way. <laughs> you know, and I think like understanding that the great thing about mm. believing in the resurrection <clears throat> is that you don't, it gives you permission not to yearn for what was. Mm. I'm, I'm finding, I'll shut up in a second. Mm, I, yeah, I, no, I, no. I've found in my, I'm finding right now that I don't actually miss some of the things or people. Mm but I feel bad about not missing them. Yeah. And so I'm struggling with that on an internal level. Like, is it mm. really okay for me to let go of these things mm. to, to, to move forward? Am I allowed to not have this as a part of me? And if you understand the resurrection as that transformation, then maybe you have permission mm. to not only to let go, but to not, you also have permission to be okay with the letting go, if that. Absolutely. I mean, the thing that, that 
I'm thinking of and kind of speaks to kind of what I was trying to say as well is this idea that um, death happens. Mm. And we look for new life in that mm. because it was shown to us. Instead of going, that thing's dead. There's nothing more for me there. It's gone. We go, that thing's dead. What more can I find? And how much more can I learn? And hmm. Yeah. Okay. I can. Okay. I mean, it gives us language that we wouldn't yeah. have otherwise, right? That we can be in this world and and again, to so much of what we talked about, being okay where we are or being okay with changes or things looking different or spending a year at home and not advancing in any way mm. that that we have this language of of death and resurrection, literally, right? Like this language mm. of death and resurrection that that there is new life born yeah. and, and brought forth mm. um, from this. I think I have some time for a little more, but I don't know if I have much more time. <laughs> Which one do you mean? <laughs> for, are we are we done? I mean, you're you're done talking about it, or we just only have so much time? We have well, just because of yeah, what's going right. to happen upstairs right. momentarily. So, um, well, what do you want to want to say? Yeah, keep going, keep going. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I so you know that one of my favorite songs and it's so funny because when you think about how old uh the beatles were they were in their 20s like right. what do they know right but in my life is actually a genuinely like a legitimately perfect mm. uh lyric mm -hmm. uh the song in my life um you know there are places i remember you know um oh, all my life oh. some have changed some, some forevers it's not, not for better some have gone and some remained right um and he goes through it and i've loved them all he says i mm. love them all right in my life i've loved them all but of all these friends and lovers there's no one compares with you and these memories lose their meaning when i think of love as something new and I think there's a little bit of a kiss off there. Right. Uh, but again, that's where the, you know, 19, you know, 20 something John Lennon, you know, <laughs> sure. But, but the push to recognize love as a new thing rather than a holding on to the old. And, um, you know, then he says, um, you know, no one compares to you and these memories lose their meaning when I think of love as something new. Oh, I know I'll never lose affection for the people and things that went before. Yeah. I, I know I'll often steep, stop and think about them in my life. I love you more. Yeah. And it's that, it's the pointing forward and it's towards a person. It's a love song. Right. But like it's that it's the it's the recognition of love as something that transforms you into a place where it what happened in the past is the past now mm -hmm. there is only what is in front of me it's not that the past doesn't exist right or didn't happen mm -hmm. and it's not that you hate it 
but like the thing that's right in front of me draws me forward yeah to love in a way that is completely that's the thing yeah absolutely so if i can find the prayer it's the it's the poem it's the poem i was just talking about okay (laughs) i'm gonna read this closing prayer but i am gonna say before i read it one I quoted this prayer earlier, not knowing that it was going to be here. And two, I'm not sure I believe this prayer. All right, great. Um, but I, but but who am I to say? I'm certainly not more wise than Teresa of Avila. So so <laughs> don't don't worry about me. Um, and I and they're beautiful words that have truth in them that I need to sit with. All right, perfect. Can I say that? Is that okay? I think that's fine. Okay. I'll leave it in there. Christ has no body but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks, compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks with compassion on this world. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. Yeah, it's probably true. What do I know? All right. (laughs) Thank you for this. Thank you. Yeah, it was great.